You are listening to Subro on the Go, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor's Subrogation and Recovery Practice Group, with discussions and perspectives on emerging trends, developments, and best practices. Now let's get started with your hosts, Dave Briscoe and Joe Rich. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Subro on the Go. I'm Joe Rich. I'm going to be your moderator today. Today, we're joined by David Briscoe and Dana Myers from our California Subrogation Group. They're here today to talk with us about the Internet of Things. Um, it's a little bit of a scary thing for me because I always think of that movie iRobot with Will Smith and like this super intelligent AI taking over and robots taking over the world. But I'm not quite sure we're there yet. Right, Dave? I, you Thankfully. Know, people are flying around on hoverboards and there's there's no actual robot butlers yet like in the, in the Jetsons, but... I think, are we getting close? Uh, you know, I don't, if we look back, you know, let's go back 10 years and, and, and tell me what it what it looks like from a historical perspective. Right, yeah, and are we getting close is always a great question because I, I was always frustrated that I don't have my Marty McFly hoverboard from Back to the Future 2. But that seems to be consistent with where things are with technology. There's these predictions on where we're going to end up. We don't necessarily end up there, but we still have significant progress and have you know, some, some, uh, some cool new items to show for it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I look back at our, at the presentation, Howard Macon actually did it with me initially 10 years ago. And then a number of us built upon it and, and where we were looking at, you know, internet of things, technology, when it was just coming out and, and how did that, you know, impact subrogation. And so we wanted to first kind of look back, where were we 10 years ago to see, you know, what's happened? Did we, did all of those things that we thought would happen, uh, happen and, and, and where are we now and, and where are we going? Uh, and I'll remind everybody, you know, why do we talk about this, right? We've, we've historically talked about, you know, in several podcasts, the, the made whole rule or, or notice requirements, very several specific things. And, and this is a little more abstract of what's going on in the world. And that's still so important for us as subrogation professionals for two reasons. We want to know what's going on with technology because it may provide a source for new pieces of data or evidence to help us determine the cause of a loss or two it may open doors to new types of defendants or new products that fail so that's that's what think about that when we go through these you know um how it relates to segregation yeah i mean for me you know i guess a refrigerator is no longer just a refrigerator right i mean it seems like it's a it's a computer that was more powerful than you know the apple II. But and, and cars seem to be they're they're no longer cars. They are computers with wheels. You know, that's how I'm sort of looking at things is is that how we need to start sort of appreciating the the historical perspective of all this? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And and um, and so the world's changed. And so as several professionals and insurance specialists, we, we just have to know, you know, what's going on around us and, and how does it apply to our industry? And so let's look back. So looking back when we first did this, you know, let's look at the home and auto industry. When we first did this, the home started just becoming smart and we started seeing things that were interesting, like leak detection packages that would alert you when you had a water leak. And so that just started coming out and we would say, oh, that's really interesting. You know, um, a new source of data and possibly a new potential target if it didn't operate properly. Um, 
we also saw smart meters were just coming out and were, were coming out fast. And we saw issues with installation errors in some regions that were in a hurry uh, if, if they had some installers not having sufficient experience and they were incentivized based on the number they were that were needed to be installed in a day. Um, and so rushing was never good when it came to installing uh, electrical devices. So um, so we saw, you know, very smart meter failures. So these were some of the things we saw on the home front. And then on the auto front, we saw, you know, autonomous driving was just kind of coming out as a new concept and we knew it was coming fast, but but it wasn't as prevalent, uh, prevalent as it was today. Um, black boxes was a source of data, particularly crash data. Um, and that was a big question was, you know, make sure you go try to get the black box if you had a, a vehicle crash case. Um, and then we were projecting the future a little bit too. We were looking at things like Amazon drone delivery. That that was a, a concept at that time. And this idea of you know can Amazon deliver packages um, via drones uh, through their Prime Air program. And so that still hasn't come to fruition yet. It's one of those that we you know the, the technology was in development and still isn't quite here yet. Although I think with Domino's in some select cities you can have a robot deliver your pizza, but not yet on. Yeah, the I drone will delivery. say this. There's. There's a Chinese company that is like the the Amazon of China, where they have like these drone cars that actually deliver the devices. I saw an article about it. Um, so I mean, the the, the technology is out there. I mean, it's coming. Right. It, it's exactly it. So that that's a little bit about where we were at. But we also now want to look at okay, where where were where are we now? What where are we now with with products and new products and how it's impacting subrogation. Well, it's funny, Joe, that you say a refrigerator is no longer a refrigerator because that's true. The refrigerators now can run your entire house. I was looking at something that showed the new Samsung refrigerator that can turn on your stove, turn off your lights, run Alexa, basically runs your life all from the refrigerator, which is scary. Uh, where we are now, obviously, we've come a long way within the last 10 years looking at David's presentation from 10 years ago looks ancient at this point in time. Uh, we have stats that 120 new IoT devices are connected to the internet every second in the United States. 47% of US-based millennials have at least one smart home product within the home. And it's estimated that 550 million voice assistant devices will reach US homes by 2024. Of course, this is because this technology is becoming more affordable and we're starting to see that with it becoming more affordable, it's ending up in everything in our home. So like LiDAR and 3D technology, which at one point wasn't seen in anything home consumer product wise, now is being seen in your refrigerators. Uh, with the enhanced use of the LiDAR and 3D technology, we're seeing so many more home products, such as the smart vacuums that have cameras in them and become your sentry device for your house. There's a vacuum cleaner that I think is a Samsung, and it's now your home monitoring device. So it's a smart vacuum that does what a vacuum is supposed to do, but you can also use it as your home monitoring device sweeping across your room so you can check out what's going on at any point in day at home, all from your vacuum cleaner. So uh, it's interesting because you can use that, right? So if there's a fire that happens in the home, you can always go to your IoT, and if you have your smart vacuum, see if it picked up any recording as far as what was going on at the home at the time, or even where smoke or fire was coming from. With that being said, it's interesting because you also now have smart smoke detectors that have cameras in them, which is great for several purposes for any homes that have these, 
or even commercial complexes that have these. So they integrate a camera that records footage of events to understand actually where the origin area of a smoke or fire is coming from. You know, on a, on a, like a more basic level, I've used a lot of footage from ring doorbells in a lot of cases. And I think that's like maybe a watered down example, but everything now, what I see, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I see is like everything you buy is either Amazon Alexa enabled or somehow comes along with some app where you can tie it into everything in your house. Oh, absolutely. So these devices all connect with each other now. So if your our smart vacuum blows up in a fire, we may not be able to get data from that vacuum anymore, but we might be able to get the data from your Alexa that controlled that vacuum or your Alexa 10 that has the camera on it now. Everything's connected, which is a little scary, but it's also um, definitely makes our jobs more interesting and potential and figuring out how losses actually occur. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting point because, you know, you're no longer collecting evidence in the room of the fire origin, right? You may be taking items that are totally undamaged because you need to download the information from those items, right? Exactly. So it, it, it sort of expands the scope of the investigation somewhat. Yeah. Absolutely. And something as simple as a cooking fire. Now we have stoves that actually have motion monitoring devices. So motion sensors are being used in the most basic of consumer products to infer much more sensitive information. So we have from that stove alone, we can determine a user's location and activity. Um, the sensors in the stoves obviously are meant to automatically shut off the stove if the sensor detects that a human has left the kitchen after a certain amount of time. But they also now can give us data as far as how long somebody was not monitoring the stove, um, how who it was that was supposed to be monitoring the stove or was in the kitchen at the time of the fire, just based on the motion sensor device itself. That, of course, brings in a whole nother issue with whether these devices work or don't work. What happens when your motion sensor protection service no longer works and you leave the kitchen and your stove stays uh, working. Yeah, I could see, you know, with a lot of the technology out now, you see, you know, even with self-assisted cars, you know, you're seeing, I think I saw an article today or yesterday that one of them drove into a police car. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there are definitely going to be bumps in the road with this technology as it advances. So, there may be failures in those backup systems. And I mean, it, it's really cool stuff to me because it seems like it's only growing. Like it's not going away. If anything, it's going to be more in depth in like the next five years. Yeah. And then the question becomes who's responsible for when the technology fails. Right. That, that's an excellent point, right? It goes back to our initial theme, which is, you know, it's one, new sources of data and two, potentially new target defendants. Uh, involved and, and gosh, your list of examples, Dana, from the home side, which I, I know you were just you know picking a few of the examples that you had. There's so many, but it just reminds us what we've preached for so many years that the first 48 hours of a subrogation investigation is so key, and now more than ever because now there's so much more data that we can grab, but it's got to be grabbed early. The earlier, the better. Um, oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, we, we want to look at the auto side as well. Like you were talking about the home side examples of, of the additional sources of data. The auto side, you know, where are we now? Um, uh, you know, the autonomous driving has become more prevalent, right? Tesla's not just Tesla, but other cars now have upgrade packages that allow you to have auto drive features on the driveway, um, on the freeway, and then it's in beta for auto drive in streets for a number of uh, car manufacturers. Um, and then also on the data collection side, on the other side, it was not just a black box that you got to uh, track down. The actual key fob has data in it for many manufacturers. We pulled for some manufacturers, you know, the, the vehicle burns down and we get from the insured the key fob, which is not affected by the fire at all. It's not at the location of the vehicle. And we can get lots of data from uh, the key fob um, on a printout, fault codes and mileage the car was at when certain fault codes um, occurred. Um, are, are key sources of data for a several investigation. Um, not, and not just, we never want to forget too, when we talk about where are we now on the IoT front, it's not just the home side and the auto side, but it's the wildfire side too, right? Which is, uh, you know, uh, front page news, um, you know, uh, all year long now. And on the wildfire front, we see it really in, in two, two main respects, um, more wildfire alert cameras. Uh, and so the wildfire alert cameras were created by three universities out here on the west coast and they're just putting a network of cameras um, across wildfire threat areas that pick up footage of a wildfire in its early stages and that's very helpful when we're trying to see where a wildfire is going at a given point in time but it's also helpful for subro because it allows us to get early data the more cameras that are up the more likely and we have many examples of this of data of where a fire is early on to help us narrow down the origin area or just corroborate our, our experts investigation as to the origin area of a fire um, and similar to the wildfire alert cameras we see it with we've done it for years with the social media data but you just see it more and more like Joe talked about it's just more and more data out there more videos more photos on Twitter on Instagram on different um, social media platforms of the early phases of a fire and we're just trying to grab as much data as we can yeah the, the one comment I would make about cameras is I've noticed probably over the last two or three years They've not only gotten significantly better, but they're more pervasive. You've got Ring, you've got Simply Safe, you've got Nest, you've got Arlo. These are very like easy systems for homeowners to install. They're no longer, you know, the hardwired, you know, camera systems from ADT. You know, they're they're wireless, they're remote, and I mean, a tremendous number of people have these devices now, and the camera quality is actually very very good. And in most instances, you know, if the insured has it, you're likely to get some sort of information from it. That's an excellent point, right? And that's one of the, if you take anything from this presentation, it is just, there is more out there, more data. It's not select cases. It's not unique cases where there's um, video data out there. It's becoming more of the norm where everybody has video data of some sort that can help in some yeah, way. Yeah, and it's not, um, you know, in, in most commercial applications, you'll find a hard drive or a DVR device where all the, all the images are going to. But for homeowners who have one of these sort of do-it-yourself systems, it just goes to their phone, to the application, and there's like a 30-day backup period usually. So it's, it's actually relatively easy to get that video footage from the insured if they have, say, a Ring doorbell. Um, you know, they sign up for the Ring account and they get an automatic 30-day backup. And I've used that in a couple of cases because you know, smoke and fire will activate the camera and it gives you a good timestamp, even if it doesn't show you, you know, exactly what happened. Right. That's perfect. So let's spend, let's spend a few minutes. We've talked about where we've been, where we are now. Let's spend a few minutes talking about uh, 
uh, Dana, talk to us about where are we going? What's what's coming out next that we know of? Well, like Joe said, the worry about iRobot with Will Smith. I have the same worry about um, the Disney movie Smart Home. <laughs> and that's where we're be going, right? Where our robots are going to be right. taking over our homes. Um, what's interesting, though, is there's some other technological advances that are becoming prevalent. And one of them is the geofencing that we've seen the government use with the Capitol insurrection that happened on January 6th. Geofencing is interesting in that it uses GPS and radio frequency ID, which is basically your Wi-Fi connection, to create a virtual geographic boundary line. And then so what that does, and in this instance, they created a boundary around the actual Capitol building itself, and then sent a subpoena to Google and Verizon and AT&T, all of those, for account information of any Bluetooth or Wi-Fi products that were detected within that fenced-in area on the particular date using the GPS satellites. What is interesting is they were able to literally follow people's movements within that building from one room to the next to even sitting behind a chair at a senator's desk. It's crazy because we haven't really seen something like this be used this prevalently in the past. Um, and like you said, David, about wildfires, this could be something that um, might come into play at some point in time if it's used more regularly in trying to locate people who are within your area of origin in a forest at any point in time that a fire might have originated. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Where somebody is at a given point in time is certainly going to be relevant to any case, civil or criminal investigation. Um, and so that's going to be really interesting as that continues to develop the idea of geofencing and has already really been developed, but as it, as it continues to like these other topics as we see it more and more. Absolutely. And then the other thing we have is, you know, like we all have said, all of these products are communicating with each other now. And when you have your utility monitors that are all connected, they are gathering and transmitting data about how and when the products work, how they perform, and potentially how they fail. We do know now this information is actually going straight to manufacturers from your home, potentially on a daily or weekly basis. So it'll be interesting to see how the technology interacts with product cases in the future also. Yeah, you know, just to just to like put a little historical perspective, as I'm listening to you guys talk, I pick up my cell phone and I realize, you know, I have my home security system, my Alexa, all of my devices are controlled from my phone, which like 10 years ago would have seemed so impossible, right? But think about like just to pick up on the theme of where have we been, where are we now, where we're going. You know, in 10 years, I can only imagine how much more um, how much more pervasive it's going to be. I mean, it almost seems like we're just in the infancy of all of this right now. Right. That's such a good point. So this, this was fun. We'll, we'll have to do this. I know our podcast will be, you know, uh, uh, even stronger in 10 years from now. So we'll do it again in 10 years and see, you know, where, uh, uh, you know, what actually happened, where, where we're at in 10 years, and if, if some of our predictions on where things will land come true. We may hold the podcast in the metaverse in 10 years. <laughs> right, <so>. right. <laughs> it may be. Thanks, Dana. Thanks, David. Uh, thank you both for, for, for joining the podcast today. And everybody out there, thank you for listening. Um, you can uh, certainly listen to prior episodes. And if anybody ever has any topics or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me or David Briscoe, and we'll be happy to try to incorporate them. Thanks again, guys. 
Thank you both. Thanks, gentlemen.